Okay, I think we are live. What is up, everybody? Welcome to your daily dose of awesome, your life 15 minutes of daily motivation, inspiration, and education so you can okay, get your day started right. Okay, I think right. we are live. Hold what on, is up, hold everybody? Welcome to your daily dose of awesome. You're Something. Just got a little feedback there. I'm working with a lot of uh, technical stuff here. But I'm super excited for today's guest. Uh, I've been singing his praises over the past year and a half that I've been receiving his mentorship and support and help. And in addition to the, all the, the awesome entrepreneurs that we get to meet with uh, every three months. Uh, my guest today, you guys may not know his name if you're outside of our community, but you certainly know his name if you're inside our community. Uh, I have the, the legendary, the mythical Keith Cunningham. Uh, how is how are you how are you doing, Keith? Really good, thank you, Bernie. Ah, uh, thanks for being on, man. I really appreciate it. And those of you who are not familiar with Keith's work, you are familiar with his ideas, which I'll touch on in in, in just a a moment. I just want to make sure you guys know who we are. We are Elite Marketing Pro. My name is Bernie Sabaos. Uh, I started in network marketing over 11 years ago, and uh, struggled just like anybody else. And then pretty soon found. Uh, some online concepts that revolutionized my life. And uh, one of the things we will talk about today on this live, we'll be talking about systems, uh, particularly in our case, marketing systems. And as a result of finding these marketing systems within a couple of years of learning marketing and learning real business uh, strategies, I was able to quit my job and go full time in my business and have since produced over $17 million personally in my home businesses and have helped our clients produce hundreds of millions of dollars more collectively in their businesses as well. And uh, more recently, uh, a person respons uh, you know, responsible for our growth and, and helping us move in the right direction is my guest today. Uh, you guys uh, know him as the, the mythical Rich Dad from the Rich Dad series books. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, you know, that doesn't do him justice from an introduction uh, standpoint. Because, uh, you know, when, you, when I, people think of Rich Dad, people think of this... Uh, you know, uh, kind of a, almost like a cartoon character type uh, person, but the person I've gotten to know and the, the mentor has so much depth to him and I've learned so much, uh, the, the concepts and the com constructs that we've been able to utilize in our business have totally been a game changer. And I, uh, Keith, I just want to really thank you for being on and I appreciate you uh, contributing to our community in this way. You're very kind. Uh, I, you know what? You're the one who does all the hard work. I'm just the guy who holds the flashlight. <laughs> well, that's that's actually a perfect way to, to to put it. You do shine the flashlight, and I'm going to actually go on our fan page real quick just to make sure we are live. Uh, I know our community's been really excited about having you on, and I just want to make sure that I haven't been talking to 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 the wind over the past. Sure we are live. Oh yeah, there you go. So. And everyone's buzzing right now. I, I see all the comments coming in. I'm sure Rita, uh, on your side, is seeing people's excitement as well. So let, let's just hop, hop into it, Keith. I know I, I've, I've uh, referenced you uh, in our community quite a bit as I've been learning from you over the past year. But if you don't mind uh, briefly sharing a little bit about uh, your, your background, uh, especially for those audiences that, that are, you know, they're going to be seeing this that's not, that are not part of our community. So uh, at, at my core, I'm a businessman and have been in business a long, long time. You know, somebody asked me the other day, Keith, what, how do you know so much? And I say, because I'm old and I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, think, uh, I think probably what differentiates me from a lot of people who do uh, teaching or 
or, or advise business owners and entrepreneurs is that I am a business owner currently. I have been for the last 45 years. I have uh, well over 135,000 hours on the business playing field, uh, 10,000 hours of thinking time under my belt. Uh, I've been teaching uh, what I know and what I've learned, mostly the hard way. I did have a couple of really good mentors uh, that, that guided me early on in my career and I would say that it, had I done a better job of learning and listening to them, I would have made far fewer mistakes. So I'm, I'm a business guy. I, I love to teach. I love to advise. I love to help business owners. But at my core, I'm a businessman, and I teach business skills and tools. Fantastic. And, and you, I mean, you've described, you know, not only have you described, I've seen your passion for mentoring others. Uh, and, you know, including myself, you, you devote now a significant amount of your time uh, towards helping, uh, you know, helping mentor other entrepreneurs, whether their businesses are $100 million companies or if they're just starting off. I mean, what just real quick, what's the motivating factor behind that, given that you can pretty much make as much money as you want and be rich on, on your own? <laughs> So I, I made a really critical distinction after one of my uh, huge dumb taxes that I paid years and years ago. In fact, it's the biggest dumb tax I've ever paid. Uh, I lost a tremendous amount of money. And I made a very critical distinction. Uh, and the distinction was there's a difference between pleasure and happiness. Pleasure is all about getting your senses stimulated. Happiness is being grateful for what you got. There's also a difference between success and fulfillment. Uh, success is getting what you want. Fulfillment is giving what you got. Uh, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've, I've made, made a, a lot of money. Uh, I lost it and then remade it. Uh, and that requires skills and tools. I think a lot of people can get lucky and make it once. Um, the question is whether or not you can keep it. I think most people are focused on the wrong thing. Most people are focused on how do I make it, and what they ought to be focused on is how do I make it and then subsequently keep it. And keeping money, keeping success requires that you know what you're doing. And so the, the, the point I am in my life is that I, I'm very much in favor of pleasure. I, I'm very grateful for what I have, so I'm, 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 I'm thankful uh, and, and I have success, and the key to me is how do I combine the success that I have with the fulfillment that I want, and fulfillment for me comes from giving what I got. Uh, and, and you give it to us, uh, Keith, both in a, in, a, in a positive way through, through lessons, and also you, you sometimes give us some of the hard lessons and uh, the, the hard advice, uh, and, and that sometimes can be difficult to hear, but ultimately we're we're so grateful just like we you know just like with parenting you 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 tell us what we need to hear not what we want to hear which is awesome um so let me take a little bit of a step back uh and go a little bit back in time because almost everyone in our community is very familiar with uh your teachings but also the world is familiar with your teaching even if they don't uh you know know your name they they understand some of the constructs teaching constructs that you created uh, they know it as the cash flow quadrant, which was popularized in the Rich Dad books. But it might also surprise them to know that uh, that you that you actually so that you actually taught this these constructs 
uh, to Robert, um, but that they're also a little different, that you teach them a little differently. And, uh, and in my opinion, the, the way you teach it has, has a little more depth to that. Um, and also in your book, you, you talk about, you know, you ink. And, uh, so I just wanted to explore that a little bit. If you, uh, if, if you don't mind sharing what, you know, how do you teach or how would you convey that idea of the cash flow quadrant? Cause I know you don't even refer to it as a quadrant. You, you kind of described it in a different way. And I thought it's so important that people in our community know, uh, how you originally intended that, that teaching to be conveyed. So uh, here's what I originally wrote. Uh, I think there's four ways that any of us can be in business, to, that we can make money. We can do it by being an employee. We work for the man. We, we can do it by being self-employed, so we work for ourselves. Uh, we can be in business by being a business owner. Uh, where we we have lots of leverage, uh, or we can do it as an investor, which means that we're primarily using our money as the point of leverage. The, the idea of four different places to create or make money uh, is should not be labeled as good or bad. I mean, the reality is that there's there's no reward really for shifting to the right-hand side, the B and the I quadrants, uh, and making the prior uh, where you used to be employee or self-employed wrong. I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong. In fact, I look at the wealthiest people on the planet today. They're all business owners um, for the most part. They uh, they, they are also investors. They're also, interestingly enough, uh, employees. Look at the wealthiest people on the planet, Other, with, the, with the sole exception of Bill Gates, who left his job uh, at Microsoft in order to go figure out how to give away $100 billion. The rest of them still have a job. They're still employees. In fact, you look around and some of them are losing their job. Uh, they, 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 with the companies that they founded, the companies that they, they run. So the idea is this. The idea is not the tyranny of or, but rather the genius of and. And the question that we should be asking ourselves is, how do I, uh, how do I acquire the skills and tools that will allow me the flexibility to operate in any quadrant at any point in time. So uh, the, the skills and tools required for business are very different than the skills and tools required to be an investor. The skills and tools to be an investor are different than the skills and tools that it requires to be self-employed. In fact, you know, the reality is some of the wealthiest people on the planet are self-employed. Uh, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. You know, you look at how they made a lot of money, and they made a lot of money by getting really, really good at a specific thing. Tiger's really good at making putts. Michael was really good at shooting hoops. Uh, Bill Gates uh, or Michael Dell, on the other hand, got good at other stuff. And so if what you're wanting is the is to add the business or the investor 
uh, roles to your to your current job description. What's required is acqui is acquiring the skills and tools that will allow you to be successful in those particular quadrants. The idea that that somehow you're going to transition from one half of the of the uh, quadrant to the other half uh, and not acquire the skills and tools that would allow you to be successful is uh, candidly stupid. It's a bad idea. Furthermore, you're not a loser if you happen to be an employee or self-employed. I, I don't think that makes you a loser. I, I think it just means that you have not yet acquired the skills and tools that would allow you the flexibility. Here's the truth, though. The truth of the matter is every single one of us, regardless of which quadrant we're in, has a job that we need to do. I look at Michael Dell, and he's, he has a job that he needs to do. Now, the job he's doing today doesn't resemble the job that he had when he first started. But nevertheless, he's got a job. He goes to work. He's got a business card. He's, he gets a paycheck. He has meetings. He, he thinks he has a job. Every single person has a job. And here's the reality. The reality is how you, how you um, your, your traits, how you do your job when you work for the man is going to be, it's going to rhyme with how you do your job when you work for yourself. I, I, I think about it this way. If you stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning partying, don't roll out of bed until noon, you don't balance your checkbook, um, you're, when, you're, when you're working for somebody else, you're going to drag those same behaviors with you when you own your own company. I know you think you won't but the reality is you will. And so I think uh, that ownership of the job that you have is critical. One of the, the examples that I talk about in my book, The Road Less Stupid, is this example of if you, if you were a company uh, and the name of the company was You, Inc., uh, you would have all of the same functions that any business would have. I mean, there'd be finance and accounting and HR and wellness and production and manufacturing and marketing and advertising. All of that would be included in you, Inc. The difference between you as a person and if you were a business is that businesses, CEOs of businesses have a board of directors. Now, here's the reality. The reality is you are CEO of You, Inc. And if you had a board of directors and your board could follow you around, suppose your board followed you around for the last seven days, 24 hours a day. They were sitting on your shoulder watching every click of your mouse, watching how you prioritized your day, what you did, the level of intensity, if they were watching every single thing for the last seven days, here's the question. Would you get a raise or would you get fired? If you, Inc., you were a publicly held company, would your stock be going up? Would your stock be going down? Or would you be treading water? 
I think there's a direct correlation between how we show up and what we do and the results that we get. And I think oftentimes people begin looking for some kind of shortcut or magic pill that is a substitute for doing what we know that needs to be done and doing it in a way that will allow us to be successful. Wow, that that's fantastic, uh, Keith. And that that's actually segues right into uh, you know something about your book. Uh, well, first and foremost, I want to uh, ask everyone in our audience if that hit you like right here and was not only a truth bomb for you, but maybe caused you to reflect more deeply about how you're showing up in your life and even your job if you still have one. Uh, drop me a number five in the comment section on Facebook. Uh, let Keith know that, that, that what he just shared with you impacted. And if you want to know more about the topic he just covered with you, Inc., uh, that's uh, page 137 in his book, uh, The Road Less Stupid. And speaking of your book, Keith, uh, you know, this is a, a, quite a bit of a different business book uh, <laughs> based on the title, The Road Less Stupid. Uh, it's uh, you've written some other some other books, uh, Keys to the Vault and how to how to create uh, how to build an all, uh, insanely successful business, uh, and that's more aspirational. Like what 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 do I do in order to become successful? But you kind of take a hard nosed approach. You took a hard nosed approach right now with uh, sharing with people you know the truth about uh, you Inc. Uh, what compelled you to write something that's a little bit you know more in your face, no BS. Uh, basically, you're telling entrepreneurs about the things, the stupid things they do, and 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 how to avoid it. Uh, what compelled you to take that approach versus something more like, you know, follow this formula and you can get rich or be successful? <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I candidly, it, the the reason I wrote the book is because I started looking at my own life. Uh, one of the questions that I ask people all the time. It's a question that I ask myself uh, fairly frequently. Uh, is I'll, I'll, And I'll ask you this question if you're listening to this. How much money would you have right now if I gave you the opportunity to unwind any three financial decisions that you've ever made? You just think about that for a minute. What most people tell me, oh my God, Keith, if I could, if I could just have this one back, I'd have two or three or five times more money, ten to a hundred times more money than I have right now. It turns out I had to ask myself that these, this question, and the answer that I got is when I was asking myself is that at the root of most of my problems uh, is either emotions, uh, it's glands, it's faulty assumptions, it's unasked questions, it's a lack of thinking in terms of second-order consequences. And, and it's true for me just like it's true for everybody else. I, I look at the people that are most successful, and the people that are most successful did not follow some little formula that, that somebody wrote in a book. That, uh, they, 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 they're not successful because they found the secret. Uh, they're not successful because they're, they're minimizing the number of hours they work in a week. They're not successful because there's some magic pill or, or little bathrobe theory that 
is a one, two, three simple step. They're certainly not successful because they read a book entitled How to Run a Marathon and Not Get Tired. Uh, that book doesn't exist. And the reason is because it's a stupid idea. I mean, we, we look around for little formulas, and I've done it, where, where and, and I look at the results that I get when I try to find the secret or the path of least resistance or how do I grow how do I grow and stay in my comfort zone? Well, that's a bad idea. It ain't going to happen. Everything you want in your life lies outside your comfort zone. Everything you want is going to require that you do something that's uncomfortable and you learn something new. If you could have what you want by staying in your comfort zone, rest assured you'd already have it. And so as I began working with business owners and entrepreneurs, I can – I. I had this steady stream of people marching into the room, and they all had swallowed some form of Kool-Aid that, that the, 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 the basis of the Kool-Aid was basically uh, do, do what you want and the money will follow. Uh, you can have a great relationship, uh, and, and all you got to do is, is sleep with as many people as you want. Uh, here's, here's how you be skinny and... And, and, and eat whatever you want. Everybody had this little uh, formula, and, and the reality is I looked at it and said, this is not the formula that worked for me, and this is not the formula that I think worked for the wealthiest people on the planet. Wealthiest people on the planet have figured out something different than some of these formulas that I see that are being prescribed in the financial tooth fairy world. And what I decided to do is to write a book based on my own experience and the experience of the people that I've worked with that have been successful and the people that I admire that have been successful. And every single one of them uh, had, had to learn the skills and tools that allowed them to be successful. It wasn't a result of a simplistic formula. Yeah, I mean... That, that's ultimately when, when I certainly was chasing the, the, you know, the formula in the beginning. And although the formula is kind of maybe point you somewhat in the right direction, what, what the reality is that uh, persistence, consistency, and, and repetition uh, in, in not only implementing but developing the skills so you actually get good at what you're doing uh, has been the key to success. It's like nothing, no course or no book ever replaced the the action and and also the what I learned as a result of taking that action and and usually when people kind of share with you what they've learned from the actions they took well it's their journey it's the it's what they learned from their actions which has some use usefulness to you but there's still going to be 90% of what you learn I think is going to be learned from the actual implementation and also like you said the mistakes that, that people make I think, I think that's right. Look, I'm a big believer in in surrounding yourself with with experts and people that know more than you do that have been where you've been, been where you want to go. I think if you're if if you're about to take a journey someplace that you've never been, it's a great idea to have a map. It's a great idea to have a coach. So I'm a huge believer in that. I think where the map and the coach breaks down often, doesn't have to, but it often does, 
is that the the map or the coach's advice, the mentor's advice becomes the only way. I, I don't happen to believe, in fact, there's a chapter in my book called The Bathrobe Theory of Business. And the bathrobe theory of business basically says if I want Amazon's success, all I need to do is figure out Amazon's employee parking policy and emulate that, and somehow that will translate into success like Jeff Bezos. It, it's not quite that simple. It's not, a business is complex, and there are a lot of variations, there's a lot of variables. And so I think there's a difference between principles, meaning what are the big ideas, the big rocks, where's true north? And now my job is to figure out how to take that journey with true north in the, in, in the corner of my eye, but how do I take this journey and apply those principles to my specific situation. I think there are times where you know leverage is possible and, and, and systems are a great idea. And there's other times where leverage is a bad idea and, and systems are not the best idea in the world. There's times when uh, having a lot of money at your disposal is a wonderful thing. And there's a lot of times where having too much money at your disposal will actually make you stupid. And so the idea is not how do I find the magic pill or the secret sauce, but rather how do I find the big principles and apply those to my specific situation. Fantastic. And guys, if, if uh, you're finding value so far in what's happening here, drop me a number seven in the comment section. Uh, let, let Keith know that, that you're appreciating uh, his input, his advice, as you know, a hard nose and as directed as it is, I know you guys are getting it. People are loving your 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 common sense and the truth bombs you're dropping, Keith. So, so thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, so Keith, now I, I even though I did talk talk about you know the hard nose approach of this book, the book is still called the road less stupid. So you are paving a path that ultimately is going to lead. Uh, towards you know greater success for people and most of the people on this call here are network marketers and specifically network marketers who are starting to learn uh, you know the concepts of creating marketing systems to to create more leverage in their business move from the S to the to the B quadrant um, for these somewhat more or less startup entrepreneurs what what would you say is the 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 most important part of, of or lesson from the book, uh, The Road Less Stupid, to kind of take in and really uh, really take to heart for these, you know, people just getting started? You know, um, as much as I dislike simplistic uh, little formulas, I do think there is a very basic set of principles. There's actually three of them in this sequence that I think if you would apply these three principles to what you're doing, your odds of success and beating the odds go up dramatically. Uh, this is all, uh, these three ideas are somewhat interlinked, uh, and they're all around uh, getting clarity on uh, managing yourself. The three ideas are this. They're really simple, but I think they're, they're really worth thinking about. They're simple, but they're not easy. 
Number one, I think all of us would be better off if we started our day by reading and writing our outcomes, our deliverables. I have a way of talking about this, which is what are you optimizing for? I think, I think having clarity on where you're going as well as the milestones and benchmarks, the deliverables along the way is critical. And I think you know, we all have a choice on what we put into our, our heads and how we start the day. I mean, the truth of the matter is uh, I, I was listening to a, a YouTube video yesterday uh, of an expert on a TED Talk, and they, they made the comment that 30% uh, of, of, of all adults start their day before they get out of bed. They start their day with checking their email, checking their Facebook, checking their text messages. Uh, 75 or 80 percent uh, check their email or their Facebook within five minutes of getting out of bed. Uh, and in other words, they start their day in a state of emergency. They start their day reacting as opposed to planning. And so this idea of kind of thinking about what are the major outcomes and deliverables. That's number one. Number two, uh, plan your calendar before your day starts. In other words, if you have clarity on the outcomes that you want and then you go to work on, how am I going to organize my calendar so that I actually make progress on what it is I've prioritized? Uh, and if you don't do that, I think you're going to self-sabotage. I think you're going to be frustrated. I think most people start their day without really a plan, and then they wonder why they get to the end of the day and nothing's happened, uh, or they've been very busy but not that productive. And it all has to do with your, ca your calendar. I'll say it this way. Anybody who sets a priority and it does not shift their calendar is delusional. If it's going to be a priority, it's going to consume calendar time. So, number one, let, let's get some clarity on the outcomes, deliverables, uh, the plan. Let, number two, let, let's give ourselves a fighting chance by setting aside some time on our calendar to be able to accomplish something. Number three, accountability. I will tell you that I my brain can create a justification for just about anything, and so can yours. I mean, we, we have the greatest plans in the world, but we're not accountable for those plans. And, and, and we, I think having someone else that we're reporting to, that uh, one of my favorite sayings is this, a commitment you make to yourself should be no less sacred than a commitment you make to others. And we, we tend to keep commitments we make to others, but we tend to consistently break the commitments we make to ourselves. And having someone that you're accountable to, I, I wrote in my book that this thought, I, I'll share it with you. The higher you go or the higher you want to go, the greater the requirement that you have somebody in your life who will tell you the truth. And most of us, don't want someone like that because, or we don't have someone like that, and more often than not, it's because 
we don't want to be held accountable. I'll tell you this, anybody who doesn't want to measure doesn't want to be held accountable. The, the, the key to accountability is metrics and measuring. And if we would begin holding our, ourselves accountable and having other people in our lives to help us on that, we'd find that the progress we make is vastly superior to the, to the progress that we've made. There you go. I mean, that's, you've pretty much, you know, summed up a big, big reason uh, why so many entrepreneurs and even people in our community and network marketing, you know, don't succeed. They're not prioritizing, you know, the commitments they make to themselves. That That's huge. And the, the feedback we're getting right now is pretty powerful. People's jaws and brains are dropping to the floor right now, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, so uh, Keith, I got a, a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up. And this one is, uh, I wrote it down and I'm going to just read it because I want to fully capture the, you know, the essence of, of what it is I'm conveying here. And it's a little bit of a criticism in the network marketing uh, of the network marketing world. So in the book, you have a bumper sticker quote that starts with your success will have very little to do with what you do and everything to do with how you do it. Uh, in network marketing and direct sales, we have millions of people who've kind of drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, fallen in love with their company or their products, become evangelists, but pay so little attention to how they build those incomes. And, and as you say, fail to fall in love with their customers. Uh, so in, chapter, in the chapter on prioritizing growth strategies, you actually put something that runs counter to the, to the advice that people normally receive in network marketing, you put increasing leads as eighth priority uh, and, as, and the final growth strategy, which I totally get now, but this might cause some head scratching for our audience. So can you share the reason increasing leads is last on the list when it comes to uh, you know, growing your business uh, as a growth strategy? Yes. Let, let me give you this thought. Name me any product or service. I don't care what it is. It could be cheeseburgers. It could be chewing gum. It could be network marketing. It could be teaching. It could be automobiles. It could be computers. I do not care what the product or service is. Give me one week, and within one week, I'll name at least one person who's made millions and hundreds of people who've gone broke with the exact same idea. If I ask you to think about your favorite restaurant right now, the, the one you would go to if you were really going to uh, celebrate, you're thinking about it. There isn't one person listening to me right now that's thinking about McDonald's. And yet nobody has made more money in the history of mankind in the restaurant business than McDonald's. And it's not because they have such a good product. In fact, when you look at it, their cheeseburgers are actually not that good. Their french fries, on the other hand, are fantastic. <laughs> but the cheeseburgers are not that good. There's Most of us can make a better cheeseburger at home. And yet, they've sold billions and billions and billions. How did that happen? It happened. I mean, you can say the same thing about Apple and Microsoft. Shoot, all my friends tell me that Apple is, I'm not 
technologically savvy on this stuff, but my friends that are tell me Apple's operating system is better than Microsoft's. I don't care which one you use. I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just saying that's what people tell me. And yet you look at it, and Bill Gates has 90% market share, and Steve Jobs had 10% market share. I'm talking about now with computers, not iPhones. In the computer world, the, the guy with the best product, not only the guy with the best product, but the guy who got there first is getting his butt kicked by the guy who got there second with an inferior product. Southwest Airlines has made more money in the last 20 years than the rest of the airline industry cumulatively since Orville and Wilbur Wright. It's not because their first class is so roomy. It's not because their meals taste so good. It's never what you do, it's how you do it. And I think what most people are doing, the mistake they make, is they, they, uh, uh, they fall in love with their product or their idea instead of falling in love with their customers. Here's what that really means. I think if you're going to fall in love with your customers, I think the key to being successful in business is to keep more of the customers you already got. So I'll ask you this question, and this is a, a great question for anybody listening to this podcast to think about. How big would your business be if you still had every customer that ever tried you? I mean, you just think about the size of that number. Our problem in business is not with attracting new customers. Shoot, our problem in business is after we attract them, can we do something that causes them to come back and, and become a raving fan, to become an addict? How do, we, how do we engage with our customers so that they want to come back? Not only they want to come back, but they want to tell other people. The most basic thing that we should be doing as business owners is taking care of the customers that we got. The most basic thing we should be doing is having figuring out what needs to happen so our customers fall in love with us. We're in love with growth. We're in love with as business owners with new. The, the strategy seems to be that if you want to grow, what you need to do is find a bigger bullhorn and a taller mountain and raise your voice a little louder and broadcast the message to ever more and more people. It's it's a, a, a it's a prescription for tired. It, we we add two and we lose two. We add three and we lose two. We lose two and add one. We're not making progress as our businesses aren't growing at the speed they could because all of our focus is on how do I attract the new one as opposed to how, what needs to happen to keep the old one. I think there's a, a, a critical, uh, there's four critical drivers. I'm going to mention these real quick, Fernie, but there's four critical drivers that as business owners, and if we want to grow strategically, we should be paying attention to these four things. What we ought, The question we ought to be asking instead of, how do I go find new customers, the question we ought to start with is, why do the people who need what I got, who know about me, why are they saying no? Why are they saying no? And I think there's four reasons 
people say no. Number one, they perceive a risk. Now, these are people who want what we got, and they're saying no. They perceive a risk. Something bad could happen. Number two, there's friction. Somehow, stopping what they're currently doing and start doing something with us, there's a point of friction in there. There's something that's uncomfortable. Number three. The reason people might be saying no who need what we got is they don't see the difference that makes the difference. One of our jobs as business owners is to be able to, to communicate, here's what we can do for you that the other guys can't. Here's what they do, here's what we do. If you want what they do, you should use them. But if you want what we do, and I think you do, then you should use us. The difference that makes a difference. And number four, and this is probably the most powerful idea, how do we give customers certainty of success? If you can provide a target customer certainty of success, they will buy. What causes them not to buy is a lack of certainty and un they're unclear about whether or not they will or won't be successful. This idea of, of the primary growth strategy being finding new customers, I think, is a mistake. I think we ought to be focused on how do I keep the customers I got? How, how do I need to train and enhance my sales process? What can I do to increase my conversion percentages? the frequency of purchase, the, the transaction size, any of those is, is a, a, a better strategy. It's a lower hanging fruit strategy. And after I've exhausted all of those, then I think there's an opportunity to say, good, I'm optimizing what I got. Now how do I maximize? And maximizing is adding new customers. Fantastic. And, and yeah, I, I told a, a story recently on this point. Uh, of a, actually, it was a friend of ours who, who were, were assisting in a and uh, he said that uh, at a talk, he said that he had a J, two JVs for a launch. One JV had an email list of 35,000 people. The other JV had a list of like a couple hundred people. Uh, the, J, the big JV who had a list of 35,000 made three sales. And uh, the you know sweet Georgia pie uh, woman who had the list of a couple hundred people made 13 sales, and the the bottom line is, uh, you know this guy had basically squandered 35,000 potential customers, while this other uh, entrepreneur who was just getting started showed the customer that that she cared and and obviously served them better. Where, you know, when she made another recommendation later on. You know, she was able to outproduce the that that bigger marketer, and so the the lesson can be applied to so many aspects of what we do in business. I love that. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give everybody a simple four part equation to increase your sales. Here it comes: know me, like me, trust me, buy me. Know me, like me, trust me, buy me. I think we miss on the trust. And what you just said, I think, was very powerful. I think we try to sell before we establish relationship. I think we, we allow the, 
the transaction to become a substitute for intimacy. I think if we really want to drive our business, and this is particularly true in the network marketing world, if you really want to drive your business, we ought to be searching for intimacy and trust instead of transactions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keith, one, one final question. I do want to you know, let pe people know or give them a call to action uh, since uh, I am a marketer, <laughs> uh, is to go to Amazon.com, look up The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham, uh, grab your copy. Uh, you know, as soon as this, this live is over, if you have another device, you can do it as we're talking. Uh, make sure you get this. Um, Keith, uh, I love that you wrote the book in a way that's, uh, you don't have to read it, you know, directly straight through. You can actually use it as a reference guide after you've gone through it once. And, and uh, especially this book has come in useful for me recently uh, as I've done something you've encouraged us to do called Thinking Time. And, uh, and you devoted four, the four or five first chapters of the book to this, this discipline of thinking time. So if you can uh, you know, just close out this, this podcast with sharing with people what is the discipline of thinking time, uh, how do they start doing it, like, and what's the, the value of, of, of doing that? Because it sounds pretty simple. It's just you know, sit still and, and think for a little bit. Yet so few of us do it, and so few that view it, view it as a skill uh, that can be pretty powerful in your business. So please, please share with us what, what's behind thinking time and, and what's the potential benefit for, for a business owner watching this right now. So I'm going to start with the benefit. The benefit is you avoid doing stupid things. I mean, if we can just avoid doing things that sabotage us, if we can find strategies uh, and be thoughtful about our pro approach, think in terms of second-order consequences or give ourselves choices, I think the, the opportunity to be successful and make money uh, and beat the odds becomes more uh, viable. The idea of thinking time is this, and it's really predicated on, um, maybe I'll quote Warren Buffett. Um, uh, Warren Buffett says this, optimism is the enemy of the rational investor. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think emotion and gut and glands and doing what feels good, doing what's comfortable, generally leads to the path of least resistance uh, and is typically not a formula for success. Uh, I, I first stumbled across this idea of thinking time about 25 or 30 years ago when I was in the middle of one of my, uh, my, my big financial disaster. And I started looking at why did this happen? And I started checking my assumptions that, that I had made that in, in hindsight, many of those assumptions that I made were actually irrational and they were overly optimistic. And it led me to the conclusion that business, business is an intellectual sport. Uh, it's not an emotional sport. It's not a, a sport. Money and business don't respond well to uh, excessive amounts of enthusiasm. I, I heard somebody say years ago that probably one of the dumbest things you can do is run the wrong direction enthusiastically. And, and I, I think that's true. I think what I need to do is if I'm going to run and I'm going to be enthusiastic about it, let me make sure it's the right direction. Thinking time, in a nutshell, is this. 
And I, I have a discipline. I do it uh, uh, two to three times a week. Generally, it lasts 30 to 45 minutes per session. And the key to thinking time is to think of a question before I start the thinking time. Think of a question that I want to think about. I think we're old school. I think on a pad and a piece of paper. I actually have a journal. I can't do it on the computer because I get too distracted by other things. And my, my ritual for thinking time is that I turn off the computer, turn off the phones, close the door, and I've got a question and a pen and a piece of paper. And the question might be, uh, if 100% of my future growth was by referral only, how do I need to run my business? A question might be, if what would I have to do so my customers would say, I'd have to be crazy to do business with someone else? Those are examples of thinking time questions. My all-time favorite question is, what don't I see? What don't I see? A, a question might be, what, what are the successful people doing and how are they doing it that's causing them to create the success that they have? Why aren't I doing it? I'm looking for questions to ask myself during my 30 minutes of thinking time where all possible interruptions are cut off. I set an alarm on my phone that goes off after 30 minutes. And at the end of 30 minutes, I look at the list of things that I've created during my thinking time. I choose the one or two, maybe three, best choices that I've created and then go to work on are these things that I want to bake into my priorities in my calendar and who will I have that helps hold me accountable for accomplishing these outcomes. It's all about how can I create additional choices. My experience is, and this is my personal experience, I tend to do too much reacting and not enough planning. I tend to be highly responsive to the problem du jour, the problem of the moment, whatever the, the stimulus is, as opposed to really sitting back and thinking about and designing what are the best choices that are available to me. I'll, I'll give you this thought. The people with the best lives have the best choices. People with lousy lives got lousy choices. And what thinking time does is it allows me to actually sort out, are there better choices? Are there some saboteurs? Is there some faulty assumptions that I've made? Have, have I thought through the second and third and fourth order consequences? Am I prepared to pay the price to achieve what I want? My experience is most people give lip service to what they want, but they're unwilling to do the heavy lifting that will cause the, the outcome to actually be successful.
Wow. Uh, Keith, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I know the, the discipline of thinking time has helped me even uh, more recently. We actually, just before we went live, uh, I shared a little bit about uh, our approach to a certain problem we're having in our business. And, and you, you know, it was great that you gave me the feedback that that was, you know, that's spot on. But, you know, the reality is that, you know, those ideas came from myself just sitting down and and not even thinking for 30 minutes. It was really just thinking for even just 15 minutes and, and, and you know, finding a solution to, you know, a persistent problem that we've had in our business. And uh, and so just that feedback I just got from you from a mentor is just like, that's right on. And that, that just tells me that I, I, I guess I did the thinking time uh, pretty good this time. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks. I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job, Bernie. Thank you, Keith. I really, really appreciate that. And and I know you don't bullshit, so I know you, you, you truly mean that. <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah. Guys, uh, The Road Less Stupid, if you're going to grab your copy today, as soon as this is done, drop me a number seven. Drop me a number seven if you're going to grab your copy right now. I want to have the commitment from you guys on this live in front of everybody, in front of Keith. Uh, he's going to be watching this recording later. Uh, I hope he, he enjoys it the, the second time around as, as much as I've enjoyed the, this first time around uh, interviewing you. Uh, Keith, really appreciate you being on. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, in fact, I know for sure you're extremely busy, and so I appreciate you investing. Now we're going on 53 minutes of this live that's normally 15 minutes, and we have not lost a single person, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to, to teach and work with you, and I look forward to an opportunity again soon. Great. Also, if you guys, Keith, you also run events, uh, so you ha people can go to keystothevault.com to learn more about the events you run. You have a four-day MBA, which is pretty much, you know, get an MBA education in four days. Uh, myself and Tim Irway will be at the next one uh, coming up in April. And, uh, and then you also run a few other seminars so if you want to know more about Keith's event, uh, go to keystothevault.com. And if you are serious about attending one of these events, uh, uh, send an email to, to his assistant, Rita, at info at keystothevault.com. Uh, again, and if all else fails, there's the powerful oracle of Google where you can look up Keith Cunningham, find his website and his events page so you can learn more about uh, those events. And, uh, it, and if you attend all those events, maybe there's an opportunity in the future where you can... Uh, uh, fit into one of the very, very rare spots at the at the at the boardroom, which I have the opportunity to be with. Uh, so, so thanks a lot, Keith, for for everything you do and for basically giving us access to your brain and your knowledge and your wealth of experience. Thank you very much, Bernie. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you. Thank you. All right, take care, everybody. Have an awesome day. We will see you tomorrow with our next daily dose of awesome. Take care.